And now, Bob Elliott and Ray Goulding present the CBS Radio Network. I know how much you folks enjoy listening to that theme, but we have such a packed program that we have to get to it right away. Half the time, we allow too much of the theme to be played, and then we never finish what we start out to do. Do you remember the trouble we had just trying to get the... Uh, the famous ceremony of locking the studio door back a week or so ago. Took three or four days before sure. we get to that. So we want to get everything taken care of today. And Mary, you're, you've been out shopping? Yes, for... I've got everything now. I was picking out some drapes. And I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to drip candle wax over some old uh, wine jugs and lamps on the table. That, well, you could start that right now. It takes that a long while. That colored wag. Get I that think effect. I saw that one place one yes. time, and I liked it very much. It's we're going to... rustic of you. Yes, we're going to have a roaring fire in the hearth and all. Hey, Mary. Yes, I brought thanks. the boys in today because we've been working on a new vamp. Oh, my. One that features a vocal by the Smoky Valley Boys. I'd like to have you give it a listen. I guess there isn't much I can do about it. They're all set up. How are you, pie plant? <laughs> Hi. Uh, Hi. All right, well, let's hear it. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Type of right, music I want. Give it a drink. <laughs> Indeed. Well, you'll have to learn a song. I don't think just vamps. Well, we're going that... to get the songs as soon as we can, but we got to get the intros down. Well, mark my words, you'll get no job until you have an entire song. You can't audition with vamps. Oh, uh, I think it. you've got more to worry about than uh, hiring the entertainment right at this point. We have something to worry about, too. Arthur Schrank is calling in, and we have no idea what kind of a reception he'll be getting. Where is he today? Uh, well, uh, he's out uh, in Minneapolis, uh, up visiting our good friends uh, at WCCO. He's in the, uh, the office of uh, Larry Haig, station manager there. And uh, let's call in Wally right now and see. Or, I'm sorry, Wally Ballou, I'm going to say. Wally Ballou, I'm right here. <laughs> have it, that's Wally uh, I wanted to call in Arthur Schrank, who was standing by. You like sugar donuts? Well, once in a while, uh, Wally, yes. Yeah. Fine. What does that have to do with anything, though? I'm... Huh? Well, all right, forget it. Arthur Schrank is at WCCO in Minneapolis. Come in, please, Arthur. And I want to say one thing. Hi, This is Arthur Schrank in the uh, in the office of station manager Larry Haig here at WCCO. And uh, I'd really prefer you call me Mr. Haig. Oh, All right, Frank. Mr. Haig. Yes, sir. Mm. Mr. Haig. Uh, First of all, let me say something. Yes. Uh, you've come out here to Minneapolis and you've tried to pull off all manner of promotion stunts and schemes to take the place of the fact you don't have the whale. Right on, Larry, baby. And I want you to know that we don't want any part of an old automobile of a $100 bill, of two $20 bills that you've tried to poister off on some of these other stations. This is Arthur Schrank. Tuna fishes or sharks, we don't want. We either want the whale, or you can get out of town. Well, those are mighty strong words, Mr. Haig. Bob and Ray have sent me here at great expense to... I shipped an automobile out here, you know. I know you did. I just said we don't want to hear the automobile. 
Don't want to see the shark, the tuna fish. You don't want anything then, right? You're flashing $5 bills around. All right. Taking off like that's a big promotion stud. Real squares, Bill Bob and Ray. It's uh, been a pleasure talking with you, Mr. Haig, and I hope that when we find the whale, we'll return to Minneapolis. Well, and... if you do find the whale, we'll welcome him with open arms, I can tell you that. Thank you very much. Till you do. And now, from WCCO, it's back to you, Bob and Ray. Okay, Arthur Shrank, and uh, I'm sorry you had that little trouble out there, but that's the way it goes. I think we've got to... Got to find that whale somehow. I hope Cato is working on it. Stand by, because here's something else, and this is how that goes. Bonjour, I am Jacques Leroy, expert on the stereophonic phonograph. I will now clear up this whole subject. S'il vous plaît, listen to ordinary stereo. A girl crossing the street. Eh bien, now on Columbia Stereo 1. That was a pretty girl crossing the street. Quelle différence! The fantastic Columbia Stereo One phonograph gives you all the realism and excitement of a live performance. What in a moment, mademoiselle? Oh, la la. Oh, pardon. You see, only Columbia has exclusive stereo projection. Not just a few uh, separated speakers, I know, but multiple speakers that send interlocking circles of sound through every inch of the room. Uh, see the Columbia phonograph, man, too sweet. Columbia stereo, one portable, start at $39.95, consoles from $129.95. Attendez, ma chérie, wait for me! <laughs> Welcome to Bithburn Sports Room again. For a comparison of today's major leaguers as against the baseball players of years ago, we have as our guest James Needles Dunbar, ex-major league star, who hit an average of 568 back in 1908. Welcome to our microphone, Needles. You can take every major league player around a day and dump them in a Chesapeake Bay. Well, how about the managers and the coaches, Needles? Same goes for them, too. Now, why do you hold the modern ball player in such low esteem? I know you've been quoted many well, times. Well, you take uh, back in 1908 when I hit 568. Now, that was the third lowest average in the league. Duffy led the league that year with an average of 873. Now, these days, if a player hits 300, he gets invited to banquets. Well, perhaps the pitching has improved since your time, Needles. We had 23 70-game winners in 1908. Well, I guess there must have been a lot of uh, 40 and 50-game winners around at the time, too. Rookies, huh? guys with sore arms, over-the-hill pitches. We had them, and a lot, a lot of other clubs were stuck with those lemons, too, yeah. Okay, well, Ninos, how do you account for such high batting averages with all that superb pitching that yes, you have? Yes, sir. It's the peak bay. That's where they should be dumped. They were one of them. Well, it could be, that the rules were slightly different in those days. Chesapeake Bay is much too good for them, I think. I'd rather see them all in Sheepshead Bay. Needles, I have the official 1908 uh, rule book in front of me, and the first rule I see is this. Infielders must turn their backs on any balls that are hit in their direction. Failure to do so means automatic ejection from the game. Now, that rule must have uh, helped the batter, Needles. I think it would be better if we took them out of the bay and put them in some kind of a labor camp. They're pampered, that's what. Who ever heard of a pitcher resting four days? Back in my time, <laughs> it's a disgrace, Well, really. that brings me to rule number 395, section 6. It says, 
The distance from home plate to the pitcher's mound is 12 feet, with the mound rise no more than 60 inches. It's a shame they shut down Devil's Island. The pitcher shall deliver the ball in such a manner that the speed shall not exceed because four miles an hour. They're at Devil's Island. They'd probably try to escape it. As you know, no one gets through that swamp. And Remember that. Needles, a quick check of the official 1908 rule book shows uh, there are other advantages that the modern player doesn't have. For example, I see a foul tip counted as a home run and a swinging strike counted as a triple. Four-armed crybabies is what they are. We never complained back in the old days. Tough is what we were. And it says that the umpire often gave a batsman permission to circle the bases without even coming to bat. Tough. Now, that's the key word. We had a pitcher, Dutch Weffer, who drowned at the beach on his day off. Next afternoon, he pitched a shutout. Well, thank you, James Needles Dunbar, for being with us here at Biffburn Sports Room. And you can be sure your suggestion about starting a third major league on Devil's Island will go on here. Where is the movie Wit, who said he'd like to demonstrate uh, how he practices his I'm hobby in local theaters? I wonder if you'd come down front here and... Okay, blue eyes. Onto our stage. <laughs> well, you're already you're making funny. Well, I have a lot of quips right on the tip of my tongue. You are Mr. Yes. Mr. what, please? Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Arthur E. Flam. And uh, if I can call you Arthur? Well, most of my friends do. You listed on the card that you are a movie wit. Now, does that mean you write for motion pictures, uh, comedy pictures, or you... Uh, find uh, humorous things in movies? <laughs> no, what I do is when I go to movies, uh, I have so many funny things to say about what's going on the screen that I entertain all the people sitting in my immediate vicinity. These things just come natural to you? I mean, yeah, yeah, I'd say practice them or... kind of a show-off part of me, I like, uh, I guess it is. And I am a lot, I'm quick-witted, you know? <laughs> well, I can understand, but don't the people sitting in your near proximity kind of... Uh, take a little... Oh, well, once in a while you might run into some crack or tell me to dry up, but by and large... I think it would it... take their minds off the picture to have you continually making uh, statements about the picture. Well, I'm not there worrying about what they think. I'm there to really make them laugh and to have fun, really. Well, now, knowing that you were going to be here today, your card was processed early this morning, we've gone to the trouble of uh, setting up a projector and acquiring a portion of the motion picture to see just how you do the window operation, how you work. Uh, Bob, and I point out that this cost us about $40 to rent the uh, the projector and uh, $30 for the little bit of film that we're going to show. That's so right. it's an expensive uh, thing. So, well, it's going to be worth it, really. It is going to be worth it. I have. All right, now, can you sit here and do Look, it? Look, I'll go out in the eye and sit around three or four people out there, and All you'll right. get the typical reaction. Wait, look at that. Okay. This plan is going out seating himself. Right, the Wallace, our small assistant, is helping me into his seat. Thanks very much. Okay, you let the film go. All right, projectionist, will you start the movie, please? It is hard to read now. It's getting dark. <laughs> 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 right down, will you, buddy? Excuse me, <laughs> Do not promise me that someday, that someday, you would <laughs> let me read it. Yes, that. Hmm. You wish? I do wish it. You had a nose full of nickels, you'd yes. be a millionaire. Where'd <laughs> oh, you pipe down, fella? May I open it? <laughs> open it and read. When's the newsreel come on? 
Can you keep quiet? Farewell, for son. Because today I die. Lord. <laughs> Boy, you bet. I know that it will be today, my own dearly beloved. You might die in my, my hands if I had a gun. Love, I not told. Will you be quiet? I down. Right Without up. telling you. No more shall my eyes drink the sight of you like wine. Never more with the look that is a kiss. Follow the sweet grace of you. Oh, what's the matter? Who's I remember now the way you had him pushing back a lock of hair. Uh, you got a wrong kind of a movie. Yeah, hold it. Uh, uh, Jack, turn the movie on, please. Light, turn the lights on. Uh, yeah, Mr. Bland, you want to come back? Yeah, okay. Get it back. okay. I, 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 I can I, tell I you... I thought you'd have some kind of a light movie. That's well, that. in other words, you need a comedy to make oh, it funny. Yeah. Well, uh, well, gee, nothing like that. I mean... I tried to lighten it up when he said, this no. is the day I die, but I read it. Well, you can't lighten it up. It's a serious thing. I think maybe we have thrown a curve at you by saying... Oh, you fellas, you, you know, I can bet that you'd have done something like that. Uh-huh. What time did you process my card? Early this morning. <laughs> yeah, well, I should have known it. I'm afraid that uh, uh, just hasn't worked look, out. Can I come back some other time when you got a funny movie? You know, I can be even funnier. Well... Sometime, maybe, if we have the extra time. Well, I'm glad this has been wonderful. Let him into the seat there. Oh, all the way? Uh, yes, Cato. Oh, have uh, hot news all Norse. Mary Dave. What? What's what? Uh, I think I find Mary Dave in Albany, New York. Well, he's been in Albany all Where this time. Where he disappeared. That's right. Well, gee, that's exciting news. Uh, oh, so... Conclus- conclusive evidence. Well, look, right after the program, we get into your limousine and drive right up to Albany, right? Oh, right. Yeah. And then tomorrow, friends, we'll broadcast... Oh, I hope that's good oh, I hope you really found him. That's great. Oh, boy. Oh, you're happy. Cato, you're going to get your fee and then some. Oh, come on out to a black limousine, are we? Oh. You got to Albany. Okay, well, then we better start to sign off. Gee, I'm awful sorry, Mr. Uh, what was it, Flam or Brand, whatever Flam. it was. Flam. We really didn't mean to throw a curve at you at all. We, We're we... still crying. I know. He's inconsolable out there. Until tomorrow, this is Ray Goulding reminding you to write if you get work. Bob Elliott reminding you to hang by your thumb. Art Linkletter's House Party, another weekday jamboree on the CBS Radio Network. Network.